Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. And then I want to go to Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. And then Acts 2. In verses 1 through verse 4. Acts 1 and 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I read it again. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I bring to your attention from verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord, say one accord, in one place. And suddenly, from verse 2, suddenly, amen to God. Lord, we thank you for the word this morning. And we ask you to speak into our hearts and minds. We want the mind of Christ. We give you praise. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There are things that always precipice, uh, uh, precede uh, what God uh, does. We often read uh, uh, about the great things that God does. But there is a preparing for it. I want to preach this morning something about breakthrough. We sing about breakthrough. We talk about it. We have preached about it. Amen. Again, this morning, I want to bring your attention to the the necessities for a breakthrough. The Bible lets us know that uh, it was on the day of Pentecost um, in Acts chapter 2. We see in Acts chapter 2 the the Pentecostals uh, uh, often refer to this. And it was the day of the birth of the church, the beginning of the church. It's recognized by all that this is where the church began. Jesus said in Matthew 16, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so the church begins in Acts 2. And it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. It sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Amen. Uh, can we have a breakthrough? You can have a breakthrough. Uh, we've had them before. We do it again. We expect it. Uh, there are times when we go through uh, various cycles of of uh, uh, things uh, in the spirit, amen, um, and in spiritual climates. Um, uh, there are things that we must c- uh, continually uh, press forward. The Bible speaks of, I press toward the mark. There is something about the contention that is involved in the spiritual warfares of walking with him. It is not just something, it's not an easy ride, but we press. And the Bible says at the very beginning, we find in Acts 1 that there were about 120 that had been in this upper room waiting. And the Bible says that they weren't just sitting there, uh, if you would, twiddling their thumbs and, and just uh, idle chat. Uh, the Bible says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Their focus um, and their actions, uh, amen, produced in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and it was, you say, well, the, the Lord uh, was going to do so, but God has to have a people, uh, amen. This prayer is not twisting arm the arm of God. It's not forcing the hand of God to do something. That's not what fasting does. That's not what prayer does, but it changes us uh, so that he would do uh, what he has come to do. The Bible lets us know Peter wrote, um, uh, he says, for it's not his will that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. I'm going to tell you what the will of God is. The will of God is uh, revival. Uh, the will of God is uh, souls being saved and transformed and changed. Uh, and so uh, uh, the scripture in Second Chronicles in the Old Testament chapter 7 verse 14, if my people, uh, which are called by my name, it, it begins with talking about what his people that are called by his name do or will do if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Humble is fasting. We humble ourselves through fasting and pray and seek my face. Not his hands, but his face. Hands is, Lord, give me this, give me that, I need this. Face is, make me more like you. We want you in our midst. We want you, Lord. And turn from their wicked ways. It's a change in us. Then will I, if we do, he does. Amen. Hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. 
the transformation that comes, the breakthrough that happens is when God sees us doing what we're supposed to do. And so Acts 2 again says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were focused. This one accord is uh, uh, the the unity of mind. It is the, the purpose, amen, when they have gathered together for this purpose and this reason. And suddenly uh, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I'm going to tell you, it's going to happen. Amen. Uh, There is breakthrough that comes when you need a breakthrough. You seek God. You can expect it. When is it going to happen? I don't know when it's going to happen, but I can tell you it happens. Uh, Amen. There is spiritual hunger. Uh, There's spiritual thirst and when there's a stirring and a moving there's something that draws people I want to have a part of that I want something that's genuine and real when people are hungry they will seek the Lord they will seek his mind and his face last year you recall in Kentucky there was a Bible school and this school had a chapel and uh, service. And in that chapel service, there was people, uh, it wasn't a phenomenal knock you down on the floor kind of uh, uh, preaching or teaching. Uh, it was a, a simple, uh, uh, but yet uh, uh, the word going forth and the people just began to pray and, and they lingered and they would not leave and they just continued and it went on and it lasted all night and it went into the next day and there came a presence of God in that place and others began to come and and it lasted for uh, weeks as a matter of fact word got out and people went they went by the bus load they went by the van load they loaded up and they went to this place it literally stopped that college for a while and uh, uh, people were hungry they they desired it they were talking hey this is the break through. This is the thing we've been looking for. Uh, and they wanted it. And finally, uh, uh, the, the powers that be at the college said, look, uh, they've come for an education. We have to get back to the classroom. And so we're going to limit the time. And, and, uh, and it sort of, uh, it sort of uh, fizzled. It sort of shut down. Uh, but it didn't mean that the possibility wasn't there and there wasn't good things that happened. Uh, people would walk in and it was just people laying on the floor seeking God. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, uh, you say, I can do that at home. You can, uh, but do you? Amen. Uh, there's something about it when you come together, it's going to affect. Uh, it's going to affect. Uh, I'm talking about in one accord. When you're in one mind and one accord, uh, it's the breakthrough. You, you need personal time. Uh, you need that. I'm not taking 
taken away from that, but you also need the time when you can come together with others. And it's going to be, oh, there's a time, I learned something oh, this week, last week, whatever it was, and I heard something, I'd never known it, I've never been to a casino, but they told me, they didn't tell me, I heard it and I looked it up and and uh, did a little research on it. Did you know that there's no clocks in a casino? Uh, uh, if, if you've ever been in one, uh, uh, there are no clocks. Uh, most casinos, it said, do not have clocks. Uh, why? It said it's a ploy designed to have you to forget the time and stay in the casino longer. I thought, isn't that something? You go to every church, they've got a clock. Uh, we're, we're, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, some people remind me of the clock. Uh, amen. Uh, they want that. Uh, is it, why? Because we're designed to shut it down at a certain time. Uh, now, I, don't get nervous. You're going to get out of here on time. Uh, amen. Unless the Holy Ghost moves. And if the Holy Ghost moves, whoever wants to stay can stay. Amen. But uh, over the years in my life, I've heard the testimonies. I've seen it happen uh, to where God would move in a mighty way in a touch of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the presence of God would be there uh, and people would be transformed. Uh, amen. Uh, I've heard of people that would come to an altar uh, and they would pray and they would seek the Lord uh, and people would begin to leave uh, and whoever was was praying finally when they we used to call it pray through. Amen. When they touched heaven, when the Holy Ghost came into their life and they got the victory and they finally opened their eyes, they looked around and there was just two or three that was just lingering with them and staying there. But I'm going to tell you what, they they forgot the clock. They they forgot the time. They Everybody else had to go on home. That's all right. Everybody else had to go ahead and be dismissed. That's all right. As a matter of fact, uh, when you're hungry for something, uh, you're focused. You're in one accord. Uh, you've come with your mind made. I'm going to tell you, if you walked in this morning expecting to, God to be here, you've already been blessed. Amen. Uh, you've already been blessed. There's been something that has taken place. Uh, we serve a God that can. Uh, you can stand on his promises. You can know that he's going to back his word up. Uh, you can know that he's going to be there for you. Uh, he's going to help you. Stand on the word of truth. Stand on the word of promise. Stand on it. Amen. I want you to know God is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. The world is against you. The devil's against you. But God is bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your problems. Brother John in the lesson this morning talked a little bit about the anti-Semitic things, the spirit of that, you know, uh, Jewish president, press, uh, pardon me, uh, the, the Jewish, uh, uh, feelings of prejudice that is in our world today. And, and, uh, it's a spirit. It's a spirit that's in the world. And, and, uh, as he was talking about that, it had already been on my mind before he brought it up. But, uh, there was, uh, uh, a, a brother that, uh, uh, he was John Kershaw. I don't know. Some of you old timers around here may have heard that name in years past, years past when I was a youth. John Kershaw was a 
evangelist. And uh, John Kershaw uh, grew up in Israel. And uh, he was uh, Arabic uh, in his origin, uh, but uh, he grew up in Israel around Jerusalem, as a matter of fact. He, he tells or told uh, how that uh, when he was a youth in school, he walked to school and every day he walked past Calvary. That's right. He walked by, by the place where Jesus died. That's, that's where he lived. Amen. And so uh, uh, he, he grew up over there, the Six-Day War. You know what I'm talking about, the Six-Day War? You've heard of it in 1967, the Six-Day War, and uh, the great victory that came uh, to Israel. And uh, he, he told about that. He was there. He was there. He wasn't involved in the war in any way, but he was there. He saw it happen. And uh, he he uh, he talked about how that at the end, uh, you know, when uh, the the victory turned to Israel, Amen. And what God was doing, he says he saw the Arabic soldiers that had come in invading Israel, and they were in Jerusalem. He saw them throwing their guns down and running. He says, I heard them say. With his own ears, he says, I heard them say, we can't fight them. They've got great white beings that are with them. (laughs) I'm telling you, when you've got God on your side, friend, uh, you can trust he's going to come through in the most adverse circumstances. Woo, I'm tall. Oh, uh, hear me now. I'm telling you, when it looks like everything, all hell turns against the, uh, the things that you have uh, trusted, uh, it, it's not the way it used to be, and it looks like that everything is adverse and everything's bad. Uh, I've got news for you. God does not forget his promises, and God does not forget uh, you. Uh, he's got your name. Uh, if you call upon him, he's going to come through for you. I feel like preaching to somebody your breakthroughs on the way. I I feel like telling somebody, don't you give up because it didn't happen yet. It's going to happen. You stay in one accord. You stay focused. You don't give up. You don't pull out. You don't give up anyway. You don't yield the very least. I'm going to press on. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do everything I can. Somebody ought to say amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so we know that God is able, he's able to help us. The church is a collective group of individuals. Amen. We are a collective group of individuals. Remember this, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Amen. You're not say. you say, well, somebody has influenced me. I thank God for my mom, my grandmother, you know, the people that have lived for God. Amen. Paul even told Timothy, he says, the faith. Uh, that that unfeigned faith uh, that is in you was in your mother uh, uh, and your grandmother, uh, and he understood the influence that was there. Uh, but uh, it, it's more than just that. Uh, amen. You've got to have your own experience. Uh, I was raised in this. Uh, this is all I've ever known. But I tell you, I had to have a revelation of one God for myself. Uh, I had to have a revelation of holiness for 
myself. Amen. I did not have to follow this. I thank God for parents. I thank God for a preacher that was my pastor of years past. But that's not the only reason I'm in this. I'm in this because I got a revelation. Because I made up my mind. Because I decided I'm in this. You say, how could you ever question it? I'm telling you, if you have never questioned it at all in all your life, then my friend, maybe you haven't faced it yet. Amen. What do you really believe? What are you willing to die for? What are you willing to stand for? What are you willing to? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. Shall I remind you that several years ago, back uh, late 90s, uh, uh, early part of uh, uh, 2000, uh, finally 2002, uh, when uh, 2002, uh, uh, I think it was, no, 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 it was 1998. I'm getting ahead of myself. 2002 is when we bought this, and that was after being four years at the Episcopal Church. That transition from Lisa Road to the Episcopal Church was a very volatile time. It was a time when we didn't know what we was going to do. We were not a very large congregation. As a matter of fact, we had uh, we had uh, a, a slim congregation from even what we had been on Lisa Road, and uh, and so uh, uh, then in the midst of that, uh, Mr. Shemp, uh, Nathan Shemp, who owned the building, came to us. He said. I had wanted you all to stay here to continue, he says, but he had turned his business over to his son, Kevin, and the business was doing good, and they were expanding, and they needed the building for office space. And he said, so I, after 13 years, he was going to have to ask us to leave. We were paying $175 a month for rent, and, and we didn't have a lot of money, and, and I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I think some people was writing us off at that point like uh, this is probably the end of it uh, but there was something that came up inside of me uh, amen that said you know what God uh, you sent us to Palmyra you brought us to this place uh, I stood up and announced this uh, I said folks uh, if we're reduced to having church in a barn I'm staying in Palmyra and I'm going to keep preaching the message uh, the gospel uh, I want you to know that God is still for us uh, and he's going to help us. Uh, is somebody with me this morning? Uh, I said, is somebody with me this morning? Uh, amen. Uh, you see, you got to make up your mind. Uh, uh, it's not so much in what I can have uh, intangible evidence uh, of God's blessings, uh, a full bank account, uh, a full cupboard. Uh, amen. New clothes, a new car, a new house. Uh, that, my friend, means nothing uh, when it comes to saying, uh, God, I'm in this for the beginning. I'm in this for the end. I made up my mind. I'm going to serve you. If you have a mind made up like that, that may be what God's waiting on. Are you willing to stay in the race? Are you willing to stay there? When you look at Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, you find the scripture lets us know that in that process of everything that was taking place, the Bible lets us know that there was when Jesus had 
had gone outside Bethany. And when he at Bethany had come to the place to where he was going to ascend, there was better than 500 people that had gathered there and saw him ascend. And he had told them to go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. And the Bible says that they went. But when you come to Acts 1 and you find that there was about 120. You come to Acts 2 and it's about the 120 that was there. What happened to the rest of them? The rest of them was, I can't do this. I've got things to do. I've got to go home. I've got this and that. I've got responsibilities. All these things, I've got to do it. And so I'll be back, but I, I, this is as far as it goes right now. Uh, but the rest of them said, you know what? Uh, I'm in this. Uh, I've got to stay here. Uh, I cannot leave. Uh, that was the ones in one accord. Uh, amen. One accord. Would you say one accord? Uh, that's the ones that said, I'm in this uh, all the way. Praise God. You don't know uh, what you're submitted to uh, until you face the test. Uh, amen. Uh, it's that test uh, that comes, uh, that challenge challenges you in some fashion to do otherwise. You may even disagree. It's only in disagreements that you really find what true, uh, what, what true submission is. Amen. Because when you disagree, that's when it stands up and says, but I know what he said. Amen. I know what he said. And I'm going to stand upon that. My body says, my mind says, my, my responsibility say, but I hear what God said, and I've got to do it that way. And so you cannot let anybody stand in the way. You can't let husband. You can't let wife. You can't let friend. You can't let influences. You can't let job. You can't let health. You can't let anything stand in the way when it comes to the place where you say, I want a breakthrough in my life. I've got to press on. I've got to do something more. I can tell you I have never been, I have never, I have never had to have somebody walk up into me and say, Pastor, you've got to stop fasting. You're going to hurt yourself. But I've heard people, pastors, say I had to walk up to somebody. I said to them, Sister, you need to eat. I can't eat. I've got to have a breakthrough. I can't do it. How long has it been since you ate? It's been three weeks and I haven't ate anything. I've just drank water. That's all I've had. And I'm so, I'm so wanting something from God. I've never had that happen to me, but I'm going to tell you when you go back to the foundation of what we stand upon today, you find people that so committed themselves. They were willing to feel like I'm willing to die. Weight was falling off of them. They tightened their belts because they had lost so much. And they were weak and they kept on coming. But they said, I've 
got to have a breakthrough. My God, I'm preaching to you this morning. When you're so hungry, when you're so thirsty, when you're so desirous, God, I believe that you can come through. I believe you can help me. I believe you can do it. Amen. I'm talking to you. When you really have a desire that says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. You pray and you say, well, this is my time. I prayed my 15 minutes. Wait just a minute. Something inside you says, can you pray longer? Can you pray more? Then you stay another 15 minutes. Amen. I remember before I would pray an hour and I was not used to praying. I prayed, but I just didn't sit down and just regularly pray an hour. I didn't do that. And. And uh, I, I began to increase it a little five minute here, five minutes there. And I found that what used to be a struggle became just at ease. It was just go by. Was, Man, the time's gone. What has happened? And pretty soon it was an hour. Amen. And then maybe more. But I found that maybe it was just beyond an hour, 15 minutes more. But in that moment, that 15 minutes brought to me such release. It was because I look back and it was because I had committed myself to more. I want something more. I'm not satisfied. And so I'm going to do something more. I'm telling you, some of you want the Holy Ghost, but when you come, you know, Jesus, I think for the Holy Ghost, well, it didn't happen, so I'm going back to the sea. You're not going to get the Holy Ghost. You're not going to get the Holy Ghost acting like that. You're not going to, because you're not showing you really want the Holy Ghost. But when you want the Holy Ghost, you're going to come. You're going to lift those hands. You're going to close your eyes. You're going to turn off your phone. You're not going to worry about the dinner. You're not going to, oh, no, I want something from God. I want something from the Lord. I want something more from him. Hallelujah. I'm talking about when we come to him in such a way. I realize that he's in control. I realize that he's, we are all first generation people. Amen. We're first generation. You may be the the first one that got the Holy Ghost in your life and baptized in Jesus name. You may be the first one in this apostolic way in your family, but I want you to know we're all first generation when it comes to our personal experience. Amen. I really, I thank God for those predecessors in our family before us that received the Holy Ghost and was walking in the truth. I thank God for them. But my friend, you must have a first generation experience for yourself. You've got to do it for yourself. You've got to have it for yourself. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So God has a plan for you. And you've got to recognize I've got to give myself to him. Amen. The Bible says, and I'm going to close in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, uh, I read there uh, where uh, Paul wrote uh, to the Corinthian church. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Listen, he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not a place where saved or lost. It's rewards. 
its rewards. You're saved whether you get a reward or not. It's for those who are saved. The judgment seat of Christ. It's one of the judgments of the scripture. It's one of the judgments, and this one is for the church. But again, it's not a saved or lost. Everyone there is saved. But it's rewards for what you've done. There was a writer, uh, Martha Snell Nicholson, wrote the words of a plan. Uh, I'm sorry, a poem that she titled his plan for me. I want to share this with you. And I want you to listen to the words of it. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and he shows his plan for me. The plan of my life as it might have been had he had his way. And I see how I blocked him here and I checked him there. And I would not yield my will. Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes? Grief, though he loves me still. He would have me rich and I stand here poor. Stripped of all but his grace. While memory runs like a hunted thing down the paths I cannot retrace. Then my desolate heart will well nigh break with tears that I cannot shed. I shall cover my face with my empty hands. I shall bow my uncrowned head. Lord of the years that are left to me, I give them to thy hand. Take me and break me and mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. Somebody made a statement and the statement was simply this. It was enough to just resonate in my spirit for some time after I heard it. It says, you will not go to hell for your sins. That in itself stopped me. I thought, what? says, you will not go to hell for your sins. You will go to hell because you won't repent. You can't point your finger and say, you did that to me. No, we do it to ourselves. I'm preaching to people that the responsibility, the ball is in your court. It's your shot. My pastor all often used to say, and, and I read it in the scripture, and I understood what he was saying. After preaching a message, he'd say, I've delivered my soul. And I thought he must have, you know, meant I've given my burden. No, what he meant was the responsibility that God gave him to tell the truth was fulfilled again. If he didn't do it, who would? And so I'm preaching this morning. I'm preaching. I know it's Sunday morning, but I want a breakthrough. I want you to have a breakthrough. I want you to have something from God. The ball is in your court. 
There's no sin can take you to hell. It's unrepented sin. It's when we don't give him a chance. Lord, change me. Are you of that mindset this morning? I trust this, that the reason you came today is because God's put something in you. You're hungry for something from the Lord. You want something more from God. Does anybody here today feels that way? Are you wanting something more from him? I believe it's full in this house. I believe there's people all over here that want something more. My friend, I'm telling you, God will do it for you. If my people, if my people, which are called by my name. Yes, it is time for us to recognize we're in one accord. We're in one place. We're in the mindset to say, I want it from God. I desire it from him. Would you stand with me? Oh, God, help us. Hallelujah, I want something from him today. Praise God. Praise God. I had a very, probably one of the hardest days I've had in a long time was yesterday. Because one of the hardest tasks of a pastor is to have a funeral. And I had not just one, I had two. I left one to hurry up and go to the other funeral home to have the second one. I had two funerals back to back. And it's so hard to stand there and look at the faces of people I do not know. The only thing we have in common is I'm there to help them. Their loved one has passed, their friend, whoever it was, to them. I've come to encourage them, to help them. But there's always something that resonates, and it's so hard to deal with. And it's simply this. Are you ready? And I have to give that message somehow. I have to remind them, now it's your turn. He's going to come and talk to you. He's going to help you somehow. You've heard me tell the story, and I I would just tell it again briefly, but uh, I, I... I did so yesterday to uh, the crowd that was there for Sister Jackie Lilly's funeral. But uh, I I told about Brother Norman Paisley, an elder that was from Ohio. I used to pastor in Vandalia, Illinois. And some years after he had left Vandalia, he got a call. And they said, look, one of your old saints has died and the family is requesting you to preach the funeral. Could you? He says, I, I will. And he came back to Vandalia. He says, I was running a little late. And he says, I thought I knew a shortcut to get to the funeral home. And he says, I ended up, making a short, long story short here. He says, I ended up lost. He says, I was in the country. I didn't know where I was. And he says, I, this was before cell phones. And he says, I... I saw a house, and I went, pulled into their lane, and I drove up to the house, and I knocked on the door. A gentleman came to the door, and he said, Sir, he says, "Um, I'm lost. I'm supposed to go to a funeral. He says, Could you help me? He says, Find the way. And he says, I can. He says, But from within the house where he could not see, 
he heard the voice of this man's wife. She called out to her husband, Who's at the door? What's his name? He says, I'm sorry, I, I didn't ask you your name. What is your name? He said, Paisley, Norman Paisley, my pastor. She said, that's my pastor. She was a woman that had faced a situation in the church after he'd left and caused her to lose her way. And she had remarried. And this man never knew anything about Norman Paisley nor her past. And the Bible, or rather the story says that she said, have him come in. And she, he came in and there was a hospital bed in the living room and she was laying on it. And she explained to her husband, she said, this used to be my pastor. She said, Brother Paisley, I'm sick. I've got cancer and I'm dying. And I need somebody to pray for me. Would you pray for me? And he stepped over and laid his hand on her brow and began to pray. And the Holy Ghost came into that place and renewed her and touched her. Right there. Right there. She didn't know. Brother Paisley didn't know. But God knew. And he knew where she was. And he sent somebody by to minister to her. Now I'm telling you, friend, God knows where you're at. And he can wake you up in the middle of the night and remind you. And you can have such a hunger. I've got to get, I've got to seek him. I've got to seek him. I've got to seek him. Nothing else satisfies. I've got to have him. Do you feel that way this morning? You want something from him. I'm telling you, God is able to help you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I wonder if you would come and bring your need with you this morning and let's fill up this front as we come together to pray. And I wonder if you would come with a desire to say, I want the breakthrough in my life and I want everything God has for me. Amen. If there's anything in my life I need to put on the altar, I'm going to do so. I'm going to seek his face. I want to obey him. Hallelujah. There's such a wonderful and sweet presence of the Lord here today. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God that I serve. He's able to help you. He loves you that much. I said he loves you that much. He loves you that much. He's come to help you. I just really believe that he's he's near you. Those, those Arabic soldiers... They were throwing their weapons down and saying, we can't, we can't win this. Do you know who's fighting with them? We saw them. There's no way we can do this. I'm telling you, what you don't see is the Lord is very close to you and very near. 
But the enemy will try to blind you to everything that God wants to do for you. And I believe God wants to help you right now. Would you just lift your hand to the Lord and begin to tell him all about it? Oh, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. Don't hold back, but just surrender to him. Hallelujah. I want everything you've got from me. Hallelujah. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want something more from God. I want something more from Him. I want something more from Him. God is for us. I said God is for us. Hallelujah. 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 God is for us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.